Rest in peace, Tony Bennett. Well, kids, there it is, Capital City. Look, the Crosstown Bridge. Swinging town I know called Capital City The Penny Loafer People stop and scream hello in Capital City Kids, look! Street crime It's the kind of place that makes a bum feel like a king Wow, that service! And it makes a king feel like some nutty cuckoo super king Look, it's Tony Bennett! Hey, good to see you. It's against the law to frown in Capital City. You'll case for like a stupid clown when you chance to see... Fourth Street and D! Fourth Street and D, yeah! Once you get a whiff of it, you'll never want to roam. The Duff Brewery! An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! And do you know who the Capital City goofball was in that episode who voiced him? No, I don't. Mike, do you want to guess? I can't come up with a good one. Tom posted. Oh, no. Because, of course. Oh my gosh. Episode 397, submission number 728, Pepper Dennis. Pepper Dennis aired on the WB from, and these dates will be important later, April 4th to July 4th, 2006, for 13 episodes. Is this the third entry we've done that's aired on the WB? I don't think we've done many WB. Shows. I, I don't remember. I know we know that's no Sassa McNasty was UPN. Homeboys in Outer Space was UPN. Raising Dad was WB. And Brotherly Love Counts. So but, this is the third one. Yes, this is the third. And it's three episodes less than Uncle Croc's Block and the Hudson Brothers Bazzle Dazzle show. Ain't that right, Mike? He stole my line. I was waiting for you to say it. You never did. I was actually sitting here just going through my mind. We've only done three WB shows. Is that possible? I trust you guys. Is there a theme song to this show? There is a theme song, and here it is. Oh, good. Not much of a theme song. And really, there is not much of a theme song. So we're going to just skip right here. And Greg, give us your version. Pepper Dennis, she's doing Pepper Dennis-y things, doing news. <laughs> That's actually better than the actual theme song. Pepper dennis things? Oh my gosh. Pepper dennis things. <laughs> On par with my What a Country theme. <laughs> and your cover of Different Worlds from last week. We should have like a CD compilation of Greg... Does his version of theme songs from short-lived shows. It was a banger on TV. That's what it's called. And then I can release my version of uh, Madam's Place. And that'll be, it was a banger on TV, volume two. And we'll just release one like every, you know, quarter year. Just like uh, the, the, um, so that's why I call music. You know, they're up to what, like what? So that's why I call music like 92 or something like that. Oh, no, that's, that's, what, I, that's what you call music? No, it's now that's what I call music. Oh, I, well, um, okay. 
I thought I, you were going to focus on the number because I thought it was like in the 90s or high 80s. It's somewhere in the 80s or 90s. Then. But if you're in the UK, I think they're up to like 120 or 130. I know they got like the jump on us because in college, when I went to college in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I learned that now 12, because my classmate was from the UK originally, she told me that they were up to like now 42 or 52 or whatever. And I'm like, what? And, 52 and, volumes of this crap. And I will tell you right now, I was in a phase. I was in a phase where I was not definitely not downloading illegal copies of British pop music. I definitely was not doing that. Okay, two things to add. Number one, so our compilation will be called, now that's what I call a thing on TV, volumes one and two. Greg sings the hits and Mike only does Madam's Place. Number two, we are up to 86 volumes of now that's what I call music. In the U.S. In the U.S., correct. I'm sorry for those... Two people that wanted us to talk about Pepper Dennis, we had to talk about now. That's what I call music. Oh, and if you want the UK number, it's at 114. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Wow. 13 episodes, we've got to pad it out somehow, and we only have one episode, so we're giving it all we've got. Hold on a second. This is CNN Breaking News. We're recording this the night the U.S. women's national soccer team is playing Vietnam, and they just scored 14 minutes in. Who scored, U.S. or Vietnam? U.S. USA! 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 Sophia Smith in the 14th minute. That's a beautiful goal. Kiss in the back of the net. Ooh, take a bow. Take a boo. Well, take a bow, son. I mean that. Take a bow. That's my impression of Andy Grant from FIFA EA games in like the mid 2000s. Okay, before this sounds any more like a Ted Lasso episode, the only thing missing is Mike calling me coach every 10 minutes. Okay, coach. All right, Beard. Let's talk about this lady right here. But before we talk about this lady right here, we got to talk about another lady right here. Because, Jason Sudeikis, if you're listening, I am so sorry. He's a big pinball fan, I hear, Jason Sudeikis. Oh, yeah. Hey, next time you're in Vegas, pinball's on me. Anyway, one of the biggest hits of the late 1990s and early 2000s was a quirky dramedy that explored the world of law through the eyes of a single female lawyer. Single female lawyer fighting for her client, wearing sexy mini skirts and being self-reliant. Hey, I'm pretty good. Ally McBeal was one of those shows that put Fox on the map that era. Not unlike The Simpsons, King of the Hill, or a plucky little talent show that would air over the summer that year. The WB would have its own version of that trope, a quirky dramedy that explored the world of academia through the eyes of a single female student. Single female student. Having lots of sex. Sadly, Bender is <laughs> Look at Craig. I'm sorry. Look at <laughs> the hell are you doing, man? I think he's trying to get his sex on there. I, I, I think so. <laughs> anyway, sadly, Bender has not sung his theme song about that, but he could, and would probably sound like this. Single female students. With blackjack and hookers. Anyway, that show was called Felicity. It had Scott Foley, Scott Speedman, Carrie Russell, and Amy Jo Johnson, all of which are never going to be covered on this program. Unless we do Malibu Shores. I'm sure there had to be something with Carrie Russell in it early in her career. I just said Malibu Shores. You know, 
I've had a crush on Carrie Russell going back to when I was eight years old when I first saw her in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Oh, so you did not see her on the Mickey Mouse Club then? Oh, no. My parents couldn't afford the Disney Channel back then. They had money, but they didn't have Disney Channel money. Nobody has Disney Channel money. If you had Disney Channel money in the early 90s, you were one of the cool kids. Anyway, we bring up these two shows because the plucky female lead is a formula that works. And a wise man once said that if it works twice, it'll work three times. So, how would the world react to a quirky dramedy that explored the world of journalism through the eyes of a single female journalist? That's the question posed by the writing team of Gretchen J. Berg and Aaron Harbert, who met in the writer's room of Beverly Hills 90210 and went on to work on everything from Star Trek Discovery to previous entry, Pushing Daisies. We cannot tell the story of Pepper Dennis without telling the story of its lead. Back in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, Rebecca Romaine was known for three things and three things only. One, being a smoking hot model. Two, the X-Men movies. And three, being married to and divorced from John Stamos. But there's two things now in 2023 she's known for. One, she's number one. Number one on the Enterprise, and number one in our hearts. And number two, she's now married to Jerry O'Connell. I will tell you right now, that couple is perhaps the cutest couple to ever host a failed reality show. The love boat. Anyway. The love boat. Thanks, Ernie. But the question we have surrounding Rebecca Romaine, because her Q rating at this point, through the charts. Could she drive a series as a comedic lead? Or a comedy drama lead? Well, part of it was surrounding her with a strong cast of strong characters. So, as we know, Rebecca Romaine plays Pepper Dennis, real name, Patty Dinkle, a television reporter for the... <laughs> Great! Let it all out! Let it all out! <laughs> Is she related to the congressman John Dingle from Michigan? Wrong spelling. Oh. Yeah, he said Dinkle, I think. That sounds like a Hanna-Barbera character. Ooh, Mr. Dinkle, can I have the uh, gorilla in the window? I know that's Mr. Peebles. Don't at me. Her mom calls her Patty Dinkle. You can call her Pepper Dennis. She's a television reporter for an evening news broadcast at the fictional television station WEIE in Chicago. Which is similar to, but legally distinct from, the current CW affiliate in Chicago, WCIU. Next we have, as Chick, Pepper's cameraman, who has an unrequited crush on her, person we love to talk about on this show, and making a very strong Hall of Fame case in his own right, Ryder Strong. That's right. Because as we all know, he told Buddy Hackett and Soupy Sales that they ran a great takeout business. Roll the clip! I figure you do a good takeout business. The takeout business? Yeah, we do a good takeout business. Takeout business! <laughs> Greg, really? There we go, two weeks in a row with that stupid clip. It's not stupid, I just... Every time Greg mentions that, we're, we're compelled to play that. Kind of sort of have to. But let's not forget, that episode at the end sets up Sean to be murdered. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Talking about Ryder Strong, Greg? He was in My Giant? 
<laughs> Hold on. I'm sorry. What? Time out. I okay. Don't think, you I don't heard think... what I said. I did not stumble. I did not repeat myself. He played a character in the cinematic classic from 1998, My Giant. Time out. Mike, do you want to describe the story about My Giant that you had in a dream? Do I have to? Sure. We need to pad out the hour, hour and a half, whatever. <laughs> so this is, what, probably about three, four months ago. I had a crazy dream. And for some reason, Greg and I went to, like, some sort of luncheon or dinner or some sort of event. And Georgie Murasan was being honored. And... They'd have like a little Q&A, you know, get some autographs and whatnot. And so the only thing I cared about was getting autographs, getting some basketball cards signed or stuff like that. The only thing Greg cared about in this dream was asking Georgie Mirasan about everything regarding my giant. You know what? That rates. It that totally rates. Really ra- it, to- it does. If that isn't a Greg Diener thing to do, I don't know what is. Yeah, I'm fawning over him. Oh, my gosh, I love you as a basketball player. And, yeah, oh, I got so many cards at home. And Greg's just going to go up to him and say, so how was Billy Crystal on the set? (laughs) Is he really that awesome in person? Years ago, talking probably 28, 30 years ago, I used to get autographs at the hotels, and I did get a Georgie Mirasan in person. And good God, is he tall. Now, if you don't know who he is, he's legit 7'7". So that's like, what, 16 inches taller than me? He is a huge person. But he's also a nice person. And if Mike says he's huge, he's a tall drink of water. That ain't a drink of water when you're 7'7". That's not a drink. That's the whole friggin' pitcher. But yeah, totally nice guy, totally cool. I mean, didn't really know any English. But yeah, give him like four or five years after uh, I got his autograph in person, and he'd be a cinematic star that we'd be talking about 25 years later on a podcast. He was the European equivalent to Larry the Big Man Melman. (laughs) (laughs) I have not seen the big man in ages. Oh my gosh. Maybe when the summer's over, we'll see more of them. But right now... I'm in shock. Greg compared Georgie Murasan to the big man. Oh, my gosh. But the problem is the big man can't go on a basketball court. Think about the logistics there. Just can't do it, Greg. I'm, I'm thinking about the logistics. <laughs> Georgie Murasan. Okay. <laughs> Okay, who's in the rest of this cast? Okay. Who the so, hell cares at this point? <laughs> this is the Georgie Murison show. <laughs> we went from George Murison to... I don't even remember what we started talking about. Anyway. Oh. Nope, nope. It, it, it's not coming to me. Anyway. We were talking about Ryder Strong, and you are talking about... Uh, how he was in uh, on Boy Meets World, and how he was the the one who uh, inquired about the takeout business. And then I did a little bit of looking on IMDb and saw he was on My Giant, and that's where all the wheels fell off. Yeah, yep, the wheels will fall off on My Giant. Next in Pepper Dennis's inner circle is her sheltered, flaky, and recently separated sister. Kathy Dinkle Williams, played by the master of the masterminds herself, Brooke Burns. Elsewhere in her circle, Pepper's closest friend and WEIE's makeup artist, Kimmy Kim, played by somebody who we've talked about numerous times on this podcast, Lindsay Price. She was in previous entry Finders of Lost Loves as a child and as an adult with a glow-up. She was on Coupling. So very low-key making a Hall of Fame case. She's at three. And rounding out the cast of regulars is Charlie Babcock, the station's news anchor 
And according to Pepper Dennis, the best sex she's ever had. Woo! Play. I'm sorry, would you have preferred? What's that? That's Nugenics. Played so anyhow, by. Best sex ever. Okay. Best sex wait, ever. Wait, 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 wait. Wasn't that the name before Masterminds? Best sex ever? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's best trivia show ever or whatever. Best ever trivia show. Best ever trivia show. And some of our friends are on that show as regulars. So you will speak to them with respect. I respect them. Anyway, Charlie Babcock, news anchor, and Pepper Dennis's best sex ever, played by Josh Hopkins, who, of course, you would know as Grayson Ellis on Cougar Town, Raymond Millerberry on Ally McBeal, and Liam O'Connor on Quantico. He's Ray Prince on Whiskey Cavalier. Damn, he's a good-looking gentleman. Then you have our cast of recurring characters. Playing Jack Bell is Brett Cullen, known as Dan Fix on Falcon Crest, and Governor Ray Sullivan on The West Wing. But he was Tim Riggins' dad in the first season of Friday Night Lights. Tim Riggins' deadbeat dad, who only comes back because Tim Riggins is a big high school football star. Yeah, we get it. He's a schmuck. Oh, hold on a second. Guys, guys, you're not going to believe this. But do you know who Brett Cullen is married to? We talked about her in a previous entry. Do I know who Brett Cullen's married to? Yes. Say it, Chico. Michelle Little. Who we talked about. In the return of the Shaggy Dog. <laughs> Always goes back to the return of the Shaggy Dog. Damn right it do. And then as Less Gay, that's Leslie Less Gay, we have Frederick Kohler, best known as Chip on Kate and Alley, and Andrew Schillinger on Oz. Wow. This cast is just full of people who looked okay as kids and did a major glow-up as adults. As Bianca Martinez, we have Alexandra Barreto, who, are you ready for this, is married to Ryder Strong. Or at least she was when she was doing this show. Are you talking about the same Ryder Strong that was in My Giant, the cinematic classic from 1998? Yes. Hey, did we talk about the dream that I had like three or four months ago? Several. I mean, yes. Sorry, I thought you were going to ask something else. Hey, Mike. You know Ryder Strong has that podcast, Pod Meets World. Maybe you can email the show and tell Ryder about your dream about My Giant. <laughs> It's like, I was asking. No. Anyway, we, we went through that already. Yeah. Okay. Next, playing Bryce Williams is Jason Brooks, best known as Peter Blake on Days of Our Lives, and was with Brooke Burns on Baywatch Hawaii as Sean Monroe. You know who else was in Baywatch Hawaii? Oh, yes. I know who's in Baywatch Hawaii. Rod's not over yet. My man. So wait, Chico, have you seen The Flash? I am waiting for it to come on Max. All right, I'll talk about The Flash when we get to it, when it's on Max. So Okay. Next, we have the two parentals, Dick Dinkle and Lynn Dinkle. Dick Dinkle is played by Bob Gutton an American character actor of stage and screen, who is best known for playing Warden Norton in the Shawshank Redemption. We've talked about him in the past, though. I know at least once. I want to say twice, because he was on Greg the Bunny. He was the railroad conductor. And we talked about him in Mr. Sterling. He played the governor of California. That's three, so he's also making a charge towards a potential Hall of Fame case. And playing Lynn Dinkle, Pamela Reed, 
aka Arnold Schwarzenegger's hypoglycemic police partner in kindergarten cop. Taking a look here on her IMDb, it looked like she played Leslie Nope's mom on Parks and Recreation. What? That's what I'm saying. Played Marlene Nope. I'm guessing that's Leslie Nope's mom. If you want another wow, believe it or not, I saw my first episode of Parks and Recreation this morning. Never seen it before. Never seen it before? Why am I just finding out about this show now in reruns on Comedy Central? That was brilliant. Let me tell you, this Aubrey Plaza girl, she's going to go on to bigger and better things. Oh, Nick Offerman, too. And Chris Pratt. Am I the only one who's thinking about Chris Pratt? It's a me, Chris Pratt. <laughs> and then we have his little brother, Mitch Dinkle, AJ Trout, who played Alan Twitty on Even Stevens and Josh Makey on Kim Possible. So for the second week in a row, we are talking about somebody from Even Stevens. Not related to Donna Pesco, though. Darn. In the role of Garfield, we have Pooch Hall. Now, I wanted to bring this up because I thought, this person sounds familiar. So I did a little bit of the deep dive, did a bit of research. He actually hosted WinQuick back when on-your-phone apps played for money was a big thing. He was one of the lesser hosts. He was no J.D. Witherspoon. He was no Scott Rogowski. He was no Sarah Priebus. He wasn't even a Raphael Siegel. Cold heart cash going directly into your PayPal account. <laughs> and then we have as Brianna, Larissa Olenek, Alex Mack herself. And Greg just did a face like a 10-year-old. And he's not commenting on it. Do you want me to talk about every elementary school crush I had on this episode? We've already mentioned Gary Russell. We've mentioned Russell Olenek. What else are we going to talk about in my childhood crushes in this episode? Well, we mentioned George Mirasan earlier. <laughs> okay, then we have Curtis Wilson, played by Henry Simmons, who played Alfonso McMackenzie on... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The pause there was because Chico was holding up his shirt. Yeah, I'm wearing my uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. shirt today. And rounding out the recurring characters is Lance Powers, played by Bob Wiltfong, who is best known for work on The Daily Show, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and Chappelle's Show. Fun fact, he's actually a veteran newscaster. Because he was a true-to-life newscaster for 10 years, he was the first correspondent in Daily Show history to have actually worked for a traditional news station. Didn't Brian Unger do, like, the reverse? Like, he was a correspondent on The Daily Show, and then he went to, like, MSNBC to do, like, some guest hosting for Olbermann, I remember. Why, yes. And also, uh, Mo Rocca. Oh, yeah. He's on CBS Sunday Morning now. Right. So, most people use The Daily Show as a springboard for hard-hitting journalism and SNL. Oh, Rob oh. Riggle briefly. Oh, no, no. It was reversed. Rob Riggle was briefly on SNL, and then he went to The Daily Show. So, it was yeah. reversed. And now he's on uh, Holy Moly. Did they when, get canceled? Because I didn't see there's a new season. They didn't cancel it, but at the same time, they didn't announce it. So I don't know what the hell's going on with that show. So oh, it's in a holding pattern, essentially. Yeah, yes. I think everything's in a holding pattern right now. Well, I'm talking about, you know, if it normally aired, it would have started like in May or June and... Obviously didn't start in May or June, so it had nothing to do with any sort of strike. It's just very weird. Speaking of weird, 
We have 13 episodes to go through, so let's go through them, shall we? We start with the pilot, an ambitious reporter with her sights set on anchoring Chicago's top-rated evening news broadcast and the complications of her life, including her spoiled, needy, recently separated sister moving in with her. And the hot guy Pepper woke up with one morning, showing up in the newsroom, grabbing her dream job, and is practically her boss. She's trying to despise him, but Charlie's smart, handsome, funny, available, and interested. She gets much-needed support from her close friends, the TV station's makeup artist Kimmy, and cameraman Chick, who has a secret crush on Pepper. Paige Kennedy, who nowadays is on The Upshaws on Netflix, makes an appearance as Ron Ashmore. Aside from the uh, large cast, that's pretty much it. Oh, speaking of Netflix, director of this show and executive producer, Sean Levy, who would go on to be the executive producer of Stranger Things. And he'll be directing Deadpool 3. Nice. You know, once that whole thing gets resolved. Episode 2. Poker Clubs and Boob Cams. Film at 11. Pepper proves at the station's annual unpopular sexual harassment seminar replay that female abusers are no better than the archetypal male predator. Charlie is equally painfully victimized, yet always the gentleman during her stubborn attempts to enter the Kresge Club and expose Chicago's prime poker room as a virtual bordello. Meanwhile, Kathy and her ex-husband try getting back together. Episode 3. Frat boys may lose their manhood. Pepper's personal anger during a live interview lands her on the couch of the company Shrink, who forces her to confront her issues with Charlie. Meanwhile, Kathy's desire to please people leads Pepper to discover dangerous hazing rituals at a college fraternity, leading one of the pledges to hold everyone in the frat house, including Pepper, hostage at gunpoint. I still want to make a Northwestern joke here, but I'm not. Susan? Do you have anything to say about this? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So we actually have a name on this episode. Playing the station shrink, Dr. Cribbins, is French Stewart. What? <laughs> I gotta say the same thing. What? What qualifies French Stewart to be a psychiatrist? That squint he did. It's me, French Stewart. I'm here in the... uh, I'm a psychiatrist. Please tell me about your problems. This is my impersonation of French Stewart doing an impersonation of John Wayne at the first Thanksgiving. I'm John Wayne at the first Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, pilgrims. You know, the way Chico squints there... I see more Gilbert Gottfried than French Stewart. This is Gilbert Gottfried doing John Wayne at the first Thanksgiving. I'm Gilbert Gottfried at the first Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, pilgrims! What did we do, Greg? What do we do to deserve this? 13 episodes, we've got to pat it out. Well, then we'll go back and talk about George Miracan again. <laughs> Seven foot seven. Tall drink of water. No, he's a long bull. Episode four. Oh, God, this is getting awkward. Episode four. Eris Brightnapped. Chicago's top banker, Connor Blanchard, is marrying Pepper's college friend in grand style. This stirs embarrassment and frustrations about marital status, family expectations, and priorities in life. And then an uninvited guest changes everything. And we've got a couple big names in this episode. As Connor Blanchard, we have Eric Winter, 
known mostly for being Mr. Rosalind Sanchez, but he was also in... Oh, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but here I go. Actually, he was on all 98 episodes of The Rookie. He was in a couple of episodes of The Rookie Feds. He was also in Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. He was also on five episodes of, and I know this is on the list, GCB. Do we remember what GCB means? Yes. Yes. Okay, we're just just we're, we're not going to say it. It's on the list, but yeah, he was on that. He is the guy who's marrying one of Pepper's best friends. I believe it is Callie, played by Sarah Rafferty. She was on Suits. And you know what that means. She was on the cast with Meghan Markle. As we've noted many times on this podcast, Deal or No Deal made Meghan Markle's career. But I've saved the biggest name for last. Playing Barbara Merrill, the legendary Linda Gray on Dallas. Episode 5, Saving Venice. Pepper may win an award, an audience homability focus group hates her grim appearance, unlike charming Charlie Babcock, so Jack expects her ordered behind the screens. Even Chick is tempted to bond in order to get seduction tips. Giving Pepper a pets slash human interest segment backfires, and Charlie offers to coach her in Charming on Air, but she still gets it wrong every time. Meanwhile, Kim hats the hots for Pepper's kid brother Mitch, who is now in college. Couple of names on this episode. As Mr. Shipper, Christopher Darga, who is the voice of many a character on MXC, Most Extreme Elimination Challenge. Did he voice Rob Tusson? No, he voiced Kenny Blankenship. Did he voice Rob Tusson? Oh my god. Well now, hold on. He might have voiced Rob Tusson. I'm sure he did more than just Kenny Blankenship. Guys, I don't think we mentioned it in the mini-sub, but did you know that Rob Tusson is a play on Robotusson? No! I'm shocked! This is my... Oh, hold on, I got a phone call. Oh, hey, hey. Yeah, I'm doing the show right now. Hey, can you call me back in about 30 minutes? Alright, thanks. Bye. I love you too. Bye. Hey, Kisa, do you want to know that Doink the Clown went on a nine-day coke binge? <laughs> shocked face! And then we have, uh, as a character only called Sleazy Man, Colby Donaldson. Wait, that's Colby Donaldson from Survivor? The very same. And on to host Top Shot for four years, which is basically Top Chef for Gun Nuts. Oh, that's a shame. Episode 6, Celebrity Twin Could Hang. Editor Jack Bell, Pepper's mentor, has been fired and replaced by a recent graduate and CEO relative, Lester Less Gay. He incorporates a ludicrous management mission, including audience entertainment instead of hard facts, and forced vacation days catch up, even for Pepper. Kathy's determined to keep her from working on Unpaid for an interview with socialite April May Tyler, who is accused of murdering her twin. Charlie bends to the new wind, followed by the gang, and Charlie bumps into an interview with April and realizes her manager, Betty Gold, is manipulating her. Hold on. Lester less gay. <laughs> What a stupid-ass name. Who came up with the names on this show? You know you're in for terrible character names when your main character 
whose name is in the title, is named Pepper Dennis. And she was born Patty Dinkle. Let's not forget that. Playing the role of Betty Gold, Robert Gant, who was Todd Crimson, one of Courtney's two dads, on six episodes of 13 Reasons Why. Wait, Robert Gant, did he play outfield for Atlanta? No. <laughs> oh, that's Ron Gant. Never that's mind. Ron, that's Ron Gant. And if it was made, I appreciate that, Greg. Oh, he also played Zorel in four episodes of season one of Supergirl. Oh, the CBS season. Yeah, the CBS season. And playing April, May... Now I get what you're trying to say about these names here, Greg. Playing April, May, Tyler. Sarah Paxton. She's been busy. Yes, she has. How fresh was she off of Aquamarine? Well, let's see. This was in 2006. Aquamarine was in 2006. So, I think she did this show before she did Aquamarine. Okay. So, right after this, she worked with Emma Roberts and JoJo. That's a star-studded cast, that Aquamarine. Oh, it is. But since then, she's been a that hot girl from that thing. And let's not forget, she was in Twin Peaks The Return. Episode 7. Curtis Wilson's a total nut job. I don't know who Curtis Wilson is, but I'm going to take what they put in the title. It's word for it. Pepper's obsessive rivalry and a bet with Charlie drive her to render public the fact that Curtis Wilson, Chicago's challenger in the mayoral election, lied about a summer in his youth when he checked into a psychiatric institution. Still better than Camp Cucamonga. She feels guilty when this seems to wreck his campaign, otherwise to her taste. Charlie encourages her to push for the full truth with surprising results. Oh, so this is where George Santos got his ideas from. Oh, boy. Hey, can't blame me. I don't live in his district. We actually have a name on this episode playing a reporter. Kristen Ariza, who was on the origin story of the reboot of The Tomorrow People on Nickelodeon back in the day. She's since been in Bosch, The Fosters, Startup. She played Janet on a 2015 episode of Parks and Recreation, so keep your eye out. That's actually the era that uh, Comedy Central was airing today, so uh, she might be on soon, or maybe she uh, was on an episode uh, in the recent past. Episode 8, Hiroshi Watanabe in bed with Curtis Wilson. You know, come to think of it, maybe the writer shouldn't be paid now that I think about it with titles like this. Jeez. Curtis gives Pepper an exclusive tip on an upcoming story. Babcock finds out that Pepper and Curtis are seeing each other and questions her integrity as a reporter, which one does. Kimmy tries to resist the temptation that is Pepper's brother, Mitch. And most importantly of all, Pepper has to find a new swimsuit for her weekend trip with Curtis. Because, of course she does. Because she's a single female reporter having lots of sex. Episode 9. Charlie Babcock's homosexual encounter. Not that there's anything wrong with that. No. An accident at the paper copier puts Guy in no condition for work, so Pepper is assigned to cover Guy's story about Grady Harper, a football star, whose big fan Babcock is. Babcock wants the story, but Pepper is still bitter about the Pope story incident and does not give in to Babcock's pleas. When doing the story, Pepper gets injured and Grady takes care of her. Then he invites her out on a date. 
Babcock invites himself, but all is not as it seems as Babcock finds out in the men's room. Hint, there's a clue in the title. Meanwhile, Chick's class reunion is rapidly approaching as he accidentally emails to everyone, as so often happens in the office, that Pepper is his date. Oops. So we actually have a big name in this episode. Playing, and this is the name of his character in the credits, guys. I am not lying to you. Gay club goer, Perez Hilton. Oh, what a stretch. Perez Hilton played a gay club goer. In this episode, playing a businessman is a gentleman named Bob Levitan. I'm trying to see if he's in relation to Stephen Levitan from Modern Family. I'm thinking he might be, just because he uh, was on one episode of Modern Family in 2011. Maybe something to please his brother or something, I don't know. I, I can't tell if there's a relationship here. Possibly. Playing herself, uncredited in this episode, is Liz Fair. The name rings a bell. Not as an actress, but as a musician. Episode 10. Dennis Bulgari, Big Losers at Acorns. The Acorns nomination, think local media Emmy. They're announced, and Pepper is excited to get four nominations, especially since Babcock gets only one. Kathy has a dinner date that just gets a bit too uncomfortable for her, and she turns to Pepper to advice because slutty doesn't come easily. I got a question. Is this higher or lower on the award show lexicon than the Cable Ace Awards? Much lower. This is local, so it'd be lower than a Cable Award. Yep. Yeah, so no one gives a crap. Yeah. Anyway, Kathy hasn't been single in 10 years, and sadly, Pepper only encourages her to seek support groups since she is too busy fantasizing about her quadruple acorn wins. Pepper invites her parents, but they couldn't be less interested because Pepper's brother Mitch needs all the support for his performance at a stage play. And hilarity ensues. And also her parents realize, who gives a flying F about this? In this episode playing Lance Powers is a gentleman named Bob Wiltfong. Stop, I'm going to stop you right there. We covered him already. Oh, we may have covered him, but we didn't talk about... What he was in, he's been on six episodes of It's Always Sunny. Okay. Including an episode from this past season. He played Chet Wallum on the episode Celebrity Booze, The Ultimate Cash Grab, where you had Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston selling booze. And throughout the entire episode, who was it? Was it Charlie? Or, or Mac, who was calling Aaron Paul Malcolm? <laughs> That's a, like a Mac thing. It no, sounds Char- like a Mac thing, but it could be a Charlie thing. It it's definitely a not a Dennis thing. I definitely think Charlie called him Mr. Malcolm. And, and then sometime in the episode, I think it was the same person called uh, Brian Cranston at least once the middle. Because apparently somebody thought it was Malcolm and the middle. <laughs> I remember talking about this. And apparently, the gang can't afford AMC. It's basic cable. Why can't you afford it? Episode 11. Pepper Dennis, Behind Bars. After refusing to reveal her source in a city scandal, Pepper finds herself behind bars. While in the slammer, after observing several inmates suffer food poisoning, Pepper uncovers a scandal that's plagued the jailhouse for years. Meanwhile, Kathy realizes she wants to be more than just a receptionist and pursues night classes at the local college. Charlie shows up at Pepper's doorstep and shocks her with an unexpected question. Fun fact, this episode was filmed on location at Fred C. Nell's Correctional Facility in Whittier for that gritty prison feel. Several names on this episode we have as... Assistant District Attorney Robbins, 
Rourke Critchlow, who played A.D. Paul Kendricks in 15 episodes of the V reboot. And then we have, as Angela Howell, Yvette Nicole Brown. That would be Shirley from Community. And let's be honest, she's a darling. And she's probably a celebrity guest on a game show right now if you turn on your television set. 25 words or less, Pictionary, something like that. Celebrity name game she did. She did a lot of stuff. Hold on. We mentioned Pictionary. You know who hosts that, right? Yes, we know who hosts Ray it. O'Connell. Rebecca Romaine's... I almost said Rebecca Romaine Stamos's husband. Bad Mike. Go to your room and think about what you've done. I know what I did, and that's why I stopped myself before I said it. Rebecca Romaine's current husband. Current. I do like the way I originally was going to say that. Rebecca Romaine Stamos's husband. Nope. Speaking of game shows, a known commodity playing the role of McGee, Dot Marie Jones from Glee. If I'm not mistaken, she was one of the uh, regulars on Knights and Warriors, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes, she was. Right, Greg? Oh, yeah. Hey, Joe. What do you think about these games on Knights and Warriors? And he would be so very proud of these games. Talking about King Arthur. Hey, do you think King Arthur would have been very proud of Pepper Dennis? Hey, let's throw out another name. Playing Ken Alston's episode is Mackenzie Aston. Yes, of that Aston family. Little Andy from the bad seasons of The Facts of Life. Yeah, you can phrase it that way. Not that you're wrong. I'm sorry, Charlotte Ray made the show. Fight me. Girls, girls, girls! I've got this image of Peter Griffin. (laughs) Charlotte Ray's chest, you... Episode 12. True Love is Dead. Babcock Bass starring in a Japanese dental gloss commercial... But is sued for his teeth's brilliance. (laughs) This make sense, people. Pepper even hates publicity spots for their own news, let alone Charlie's. Meanwhile, Kimmy spent money she can't afford on Nadia Vodanova's dating service. Pepper insists on a refund against True Love's rules and thus stumbles on systematic fraud. She also discovers Kimmy dumped her kid brother Mitch, that's Kimmy dumped Pepper's kid brother Mitch, after a month. Meanwhile, Charlie gets an even worse surprise and comes up with a shocking solution. Okay, so, first of all, playing Nadia Vadanava which is the proprietor of True Love, is Catherine Lanasa, an alumni of the North Carolina School of the Arts, and you know who her husband was? Dennis Hopper. Oh. She was in 19 episodes of Truth Be Told and 13 episodes of future entry Katie Keene which is basically another show in the Archie Expanded Universe. Not unlike Riverdale or The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. And then we have as Darcine, and this is a very early role for her, Shanola Hampton. Known primarily nowadays for Shameless and the upcoming fall entry on NBC, Found. Is that going to be a future entry? Who knows? This is before Shanola Hampton became Shanola Hampton, and we did talk about her before. She played Daisy in the 2001 pilot of Electro Woman and Dina Girl. And I just looked at her, 
Now I know uh, why she rings a bell. She's been a celebrity on 25 Words or Less. Not a frequent celebrity, but the name and, and looking at her, I've seen her on that show. Final episode. Star Acre Wed's Colleague. Basic deportation because Charlie has a secret. Like Robin Strabotsky on How I Met Your Mother, Charlie Babcock is Canadian and is only in America on a work visa that is set to expire. So facing deportation back to Canada, Charlie proposes to Pepper. Les turns their wedding into a reality TV show, but the happy couple wrestles with their motives. Chick and Bianca want to sabotage them, hoping to get their own chance. Bianca with Charlie and Chick with Pepper. Kimmy and INS agent Russell Fuller, whose divorce made him cynical about true love, have their own affair. And Reverend Nesbitt's premarital session starts a series of uncharacteristic choices and moves. Playing Reverend Nesbitt, somebody that we are going to be talking about later this year because we are going to cover a show that he was on, Alan Fudge. I just like saying that name, Alan Fudge. Playing reporter Jenkins, Stephanie Hodge, who you remember from the It Wishes It Was Married With Children, Unhappily Ever After. But hold on a second. It had Bobcat Goldthwait in it. How can that be bad? And Nikki Cox. Are we forgetting about Nikki Cox? And E from Entourage. I think that's it for the names, so I... So that's it! Yep, that's it. That's it for the series. So, usually this is the part of the show where I ask, so, what happened? I got the answer for you. This is 2006. This is on the WB. What is happening in 2006? Remember when we said, remember these dates at the top of the show? Pepper Dennis has the historic distinction of being the final show ever to premiere on the WB. Executives from CBS and Time Warner announced on January 24th, 2006, that they would respectively shut down both UPN and the WB and combine resources to form a new broadcast network to be known as the CW Television Network. That would, at the outset, feature programming from both its predecessors-to-be as well as new content developed specifically for the network. On the CW's first stop front, it was announced what shows from both networks would join the new network. Pepper Dennis, sadly, did not make the cut. And the show quietly ran out all of its episodes. I think just being on the WB is enough to kill a show. I mean, I know this is at a time of uh, change when CW was being formed from the UPN and the WB, but I think by default you could just look at the WB and, well, there's a reason why it didn't last. I'm looking at the schedule. It was on Tuesday nights at 9. Elsewhere, we had Sons and Daughters on ABC, the unit on CBS, and this is the killer. Well, one of two killers. Scrubs on NBC, and Future Entry Teachers also on NBC, and House on Fox, after season five of American Idol. Granted, it was the Taylor Hicks season, but still, it's American Idol. Oh, and you forgot it ran up against Veronica Morris, too, over on UPN. Well, that's also a dying network. I'm not even counting that. But still, it's up against Veronica Morris, which is 
a very popular show at this time. Didn't Veronica Mars make the cut for the CW? Yes, it did for its third and final season, like in the 2000s run. Because remember they had that fourth season recently on Hulu, I think, right after the Veronica Mars movie. The show itself never got a proper home release, but you can watch all 13 episodes for free right now on YouTube unofficially. The critics were not kind to this show, although the people who ended up watching the show were a bit kinder to it. I gotta go to Tom Shales of the Washington Post, who notoriously hates everything. Pepper Dennis does deserve a blip on the radar screen, but only because it was conceived as a vehicle for the imposingly glamorous and clearly talented Rebecca Romaine. No one seems to have decided, though, whether Romaine aspires to be a Lucy for the new millennium or a Mary Tyler Moore for the new millennium, because the TV correspondent she plays is fighting for women's rights one minute and then slipping and falling face first into a puddle the next. Or crashing into a table of refreshments. Or being tossed into a vat of garbage. I'm going to be honest. I don't disagree with Tom here. You have... Really strong actors in Josh Hopkins, Ryder Strong, Lindsay Price, and Brooke Burns. They're there to build her up. Not that she needs to be built up because, as we know now, in 2023, Rebecca Romaine can hold her own. Plays off of the captain rather well, thank you very much. Oh yeah, she and Anson Mount, great Chef's kiss of the Star Trek universe. So I blame the writing on this because I think I've said it once before on this episode. I'll say it again. Who comes up with this stuff? That was me like 20 times in this episode. Like I watched maybe the first 20 minutes of the pilot and that was it because I've been busy with a lot of things this week. But when I heard all the descriptions and all the names and all the episode titles, my reaction was, who wrote this shit? Yeah, that is the correct reaction to have. So, closing question. Did Pepper Dennis fail because of bad scheduling, bad product, or rotten luck? The answer? Yes. And for those reasons... Pepper Dennis was the final thing on TV to come out of the WB. I have to give it that. Yes. But before we do our closing plugs, we forgot to do this the last couple weeks. So, what a doo Joey Gallo. He can't hit over 200, but he can sure smack a ball over the fence. It's the Joey Gallo update. No, we didn't forget. Uh, I put it into post, but we're going to do it proper in the show. That's yes. what I think Greg means. Well, since the last time we talked, uh, Joey Gallo, he's had one hit, and that spans 14 at-bats. His average is down to 180. That one hit, however, was a homer. Ooh. It was a had solo some, homer. Had some muscle behind that. And actually, taking a look at uh, his stats, this is pretty amazing. Since the 30th of June, so we're talking three weeks ago, Joey Gallo has had all of five hits. Four have been homers. But also, uh, presumably because of the 180 average, Joey Gallo is not in the game tonight. Rocco Baldelli, come on. You're not giving us proper material here. Yeah, because that's what Rocco Baldelli cares about. Maybe Rocco Baldelli listens to this podcast. You never know. Not banking on that, sorry. But yeah, he didn't play tonight, uh, and the Twins won, so boo. I think they're still uh, two games up on Cleveland. You know what? I wish they'd make a Rocco Beldelli Devil Rays jersey. Greg, if you look hard enough online, you can find multiple Tampa Bay Devil Rays jerseys 
of Rocco Baldelli. So they're out there. I'm not surprised. Rocco Baldelli, he had a good one or two years with the Devil Rays before getting injured. So he's no bum by any stretch of the imagination, oh, at least no. back in 2000. 2003, he was like the it player back then. Yeah, it would have been like 2002, 2003. You're right about that. Unfortunately, the injuries derailed his career. But you know what? I'm glad he's managing now. Good for him. He's no Tom Kelly, but who is? Okay, but that's going to do it for this episode. Now remember, you can always go to itwasathingontv.com where you can find the 396 episodes that preceded this one. We got all sorts of fun stuff there. A lot of bonuses, live shows, director's cuts, minisodes, the works. And remember to follow us on various social media outlets at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, where we're at It Was A Thing On TV podcast. But also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where you can like, subscribe, give a thumbs up to a video if you can, and don't forget to hit that notification bell to stay up to date on all future videos like the one we're having next week. Well, guys, this is the final week of the summer schedule where we're doing one show a week. And I think this one we got next Thursday on our Podbean feed is going to be a good one. I'm looking at it right now, and two things I have to say about it. One, he's a down-home billionaire who wears 10-gallon hats cowboy boots and western shirts and he fights crime and two it's actually a pseudo sequel to a show we covered previously on this podcast that's right we set it up so we could cover it this year as a sequel to what happened last year they fight crime that's all you need to know he's a cowboy He's a sidekick. They fight crime. But you'll find out all about that in our next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you right here for the next one. Row! So, what do they call you? Pepper. D, as in deliver me from this. E, as in engage with human. N, as in nightmare. N, as in nightmare. I, as in is this real? S, as in somebody help me.